1: Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me as always is my good friend, Frank Madden. And Frank, I had LeBron James in draft today. Woo!
0: That was like a a 72-pointer,
1: I think. Yeah, it wasn't bad. Tell you that. It was not bad. Uh, In the other draft league that we did, because we try to fill up two every week, Um, in the other one, I don't know. Do I have LeBron in the one you're in with me? I'm not really 100% sure. Um, But in the other one... I had Oladipo and Miritich, which sucks because they sh- both should have gotten me a good number of points, but instead I had to swap them out for garbage players because the game got postponed for tonight because of a rain delay, because that's a thing that happens in the NBA. So
0: Well, that ra- leaky roof delay, right? Yes. In New Orleans, the smoothie king, uh, I guess the, the smoothies were dripping through the roof, Could uh, be. unfortunately. Um, so, and, yeah, a, I had to switch my players that, I and I was
1: people,
0: not happy. Yeah, I saw that big fans were there for like two hours before they actually um, finally postponed it, which I'm sure everybody was thrilled about. But, uh, but yeah, I'm as we're recording this, I'm in fourth uh, in the league that I'm in. I, I had James Harden and Chris Paul, um, which pleased my wife, who's a Rockets fan, and they had huge nights uh, helping the Bucks as well beat the Heat in Miami. So that, that was good. Um, but yeah, I also Was that had a little a, scoreboard
1: watch right there from Frankman? A little hashtag scoreboard watch?
0: Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah.
1: Okay.
0: Um but yeah, I also had a I, I had who did I I had somebody I, I had somebody that I had to swap out due to that Pelicans game and I ended up with Dragon Bender, which right now isn't really Not doing right. much for me. But anyway, All right. trade deadline. Trade deadline. It's here. I, I it snuck up on me, I'll be honest. I know it's early this year, but I knew it was early. <laughs> um but it's still i don't know like i, I feel like maybe it'd be, maybe just because the bucks have like been they already did something and I'm not necessarily expecting them to do any huge moves tomorrow but i don't know the deadline kind of snuck up on me
1: yeah it it's kind of weird because one it's early and two the bucks have already made two moves and i was curious kind of where bucks fans heads were at so i ran a quick poll on twitter and i just asked Hey, something I'm curious about here. This is a two part poll. The Bucks have already made two trades, Bledsoe and Zeller. One, do you want the Bucks to make another move before tomorrow's trade deadline? And the, uh, 58% of people say no, 42% say yes, which, okay, I think kind of makes sense. And then do you think the Bucks will make another move before tomorrow's trade deadline? 70% say no, 30% say yes. And I think that's kind of where I'm at right now is that. I would lean towards saying that it will be a relatively quiet trade deadline for the Bucks because, well, they already made the moves that that you would think they were going to make. Like The Bledsoe move came very early in the season and that was i mean if you're trying to think of a big move like that would be the definition of a big move was trading for eric bledsoe and and kind of getting it especially in season maybe out of season eric bledsoe isn't a big move but certainly in season i think that's a big move um so you kind of have that one and then you also have like the smaller depth related moves that will sometimes happen during the trade deadline like you already got the big one you got the small one and now when you look at the bucks roster like I don't know if there's much else there to trade on unless you make a big one.
0: Yeah. And I again, I mean, this could be a famous last words. We're recording this uh, at 10 p.m. Central Time on Wednesday night. So God, uh, I guess this
1: better not be like the time I said, man, whatever team trades for MCW is a sucker. And then the Bucks traded for MCW. <laughs> that, would, that would really uh, make me depressed. Uh,
0: Yeah. And, and again, I mean, there's just sort of been like the. I don't know the the DeAndre Jordan discussions. I don't even know if I want to say rumors. um, It's just been kind of like a soft drone for for like weeks now. Like I, I'm so I'm just kind of numb to them at this point. So I I, again I, I just don't know what that deal would even look like. And you know we've talked ad nauseum about um, why we don't think you know that kind of move makes sense. Just giving up a bunch for the privilege to pay a guy who is you know not really aligned age wise with, with Giannis's prime. And, um, I mean, again, not to say that Giannis isn't already in a crazy prime right now. I I think Giannis is just probably going to have like a really long prime. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just kind of like, is, is DeAndre Jordan going to be like your number two or number three banana? Right. Is like, is that your ambition for this team? And I just, I just, I don't know. And again, like, John horse hasn't been around long enough to really have a great feel for what sort of how he views, um, this roster and what he wants to, how he kind of wants to construct it. Um, but again, maybe I'm projecting, but, um, my hope is that the talk of the bucks interest in Jordan has not gone beyond just sort of like, Oh, DeAndre Jordan's available and he's good. All right, we'll, we'll make some calls. Um, because I'll admit I, I have been a bit nervous about the fact that the Bucks have been connected with all these centers, and I don't know. Maybe I should have been. I, I know I said I would not have done the Tyler Zeller deal. Maybe maybe I should be happy if that's going to be the Bucks' move for center depth. Um, maybe I should just be happy that it was something minor and uh, you know not not something more major. But uh, but yeah, I don't know. I'm 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 kind of basically become numb to sort of the general discussion of Bucks trades. Uh, and at this point, I don't. I just don't know. I, you you said it yesterday that that the Zeller move may have been the trade may have been the Bucks trade deadline. And um, certainly as we're sitting here, um, I'm sure there will be some moves in the NBA. I just, I just don't know if it's going to be a Bucks move. And to be honest, I've, I'd be pretty fine with that. I, I, I'd i be okay saying, all right, you know what? We, we've gotten rid of Jason Kidd. We're going to see what this team is like, see how it fits. Uh, I, I don't know if there's a killer deal to either ship anybody out or bring anybody in. And again, there's always probably something out there, but um, certainly at this point, you know, given the, the, the fact that it's not easy to do deals and generally teams are more likely to not do deals than do deals, um, I'd probably say let's just roll the ball out and see how this team does the rest of the year and then kind of reassess uh, once the season is over.
1: If I'm being honest, I really wish we could switch the happenings of our Monday with our Wednesday uh, because I, I kind of wanted to have a larger discussion about the Bucks and kind of where they are because I think it's an interesting discussion and then obviously Rashad Vaughn, Tyler's out. That happened, and we needed to discuss that because that happened in the here and now. But I really do wish we could have switched this because I think the larger, bigger picture stuff is is more interesting right now with the Bucks. And I, I guess kind of what I want to do with this trade deadline is I don't I don't necessarily think the Bucks are going to make any moves, but what i do want to discuss is why it might be a good idea to make moves or why in the in the larger scheme of things it might be a good idea to not um so what i kind of wanted to do here and it's similar to what we did with zeller but i wanted you to take us through cap breakdowns of every year Giannis is currently scheduled to be on the team so the length of his contract i want to go through those dates to kind of cause I always feel like when we have these conversations about you should trade for this guy or that guy, or this guy's only going to be here for this long. And Giannis could be gone by then. Or Giannis is going to be around. Like, I just feel like we, we speak in generalities too much and like those details aren't actually there. So let's start with the summer of Jabari. What does the bucks cap look like going into this summer?
0: Yeah. We mentioned the other night, right? Um, if you include Jabari Parker's cap hold, which again is the number that will count against their cap up until Jabari signs a new contract, or you know, and that could be with the Bucks. In which case, his new deal supplants the cap hold. Or if he leaves, and you know, if the if the Bucks, if he signs an offer sheet and the Bucks didn't match, which at this point would surprise me, but um, you know, that that's a possibility I suppose um, then he would go to zero obviously and he wouldn't count against the bucks cap anymore um, so if you look at it and kind of say well, what is the kind of the the full freight what is the sort of worst case biggest number it's this roughly 130 million dollar number for about 14 roster spots that's including a couple million bucks placeholder for uh, the first round pick that right now they're they're expected to keep um and would not convey to to Phoenix as part of the Bledsoe deal, and that also includes two, about two million bucks for Tyler Zeller, which is non guaranteed. So you could wipe that off, and you'd be at 13 guys for 128 million or so. Um, and if you take Jabari off, if you say, well, what if Jabari leaves, then you'd be at you know something like 108 million dollars for 12 players, um, in which case you're still uh, you know over the projected salary cap of 101 million. But, you know, again, we mentioned the other day, the luxury tax probably going to be, mm, let's say, somewhere between 121 and 123 million. Um, obviously, if Jabari is out of the picture, uh, I mean, you're, you're way under the luxury tax. Um, but in that scenario, you also don't really have it's not like if Jabari leaves, you can go spend that cap hold 20 million bucks on something else, right? So, the um, same that, way
1: as with Monroe last year. Like, if Monroe didn't sign, like, there wasn't magically going to be. 18 million dollars or whatever his deal was like right. that's not how it's going to work like you would still be over the cap and unable to sign free agents
0: right exactly so the bucks were enough you know basically the bucks had enough money tied up uh last you know coming into this season that even if Greg Monroe had opted out they would not have just had you know a ton of money they basically would have just had kind of similar to what they would have had anyway, which was basically the mid-level exception, um, which probably be about, you know, maybe close to nine million bucks this coming summer. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a scenario where teams often, it's a bit of a trap in some cases, you know, where teams are in positions where they have their own free agents, where they have bird rights on, meaning they can go over the cap to resign them. Um, and so they look at them and they say, well, geez, we could you know, match a, a big offer sheet for Jabari Parker and not to pick on Jabari here, um, or we could not. And then we'd have, you know, a $9 million, um, mid-level exception we could go spend on something. And you know, when you compare those things, it's pretty easy to see why you would want to keep a Jabari Parker. And, and again, not just Jabari, but like pretty much any like higher priced kind of asset. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and it's also interesting kind of look at Eric Bledsoe's situation as well, because with Monroe expiring, if you had kept Greg Monroe and he was expiring, you could have resigned Greg Monroe, obviously that would have been an option or, uh, you know, he could have just walked and his, you know, deal expires and then you'd have more flexibility under the cap. Eric Bledsoe's owed $15 million next year. So that's obviously money that is on the bucks ledger that wouldn't have been there if they hadn't have made the Greg Monroe trade. And so the question is, you know, you know, and, and it's more complicated just because the bucks have, you know, they have this, these luxury tax, you know, constraints and concerns about, you know, going over the tax, which again, they can go over the tax and then work their way back under. Um, but it's an interesting question, you know, would you rather have no luxury tax concerns or at least, you know, very manageable luxury tax concerns and have the mid-level exception to maybe go spend, um, you know, let's say $9 million. Or would you rather have Eric Bledsoe on a one year deal for 2018, 19? Um, and again, um, you know, people can debate this, whether you think Eric Bledsoe is very good, average, whether you think he doesn't fit, whether you think he fits just fine, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it's an interesting thing is basically the Bucks by, you know, dealing for a guy who had one extra year on his contract, they put themselves in a tougher spot from a luxury tax standpoint, but they also I think you could argue, you know, gave themselves a better player that they wouldn't really be able to replace, you know, with with a free agent signing, right? Um, like that
1: mid-level guy is not going to be as good as Eric Bledsoe. He might be a better fit than Eric Bledsoe, but... Sure,
0: exactly. Yeah, right. I mean, it could have, you know, it's like one of those things, then you start getting, well, who, who could you have signed, right? Like, uh, Avery, you know, could you have gotten Avery Bradley on a mid-level exception? I have no idea. Maybe. Um, you know, you can kind of just start going through all the the names of guys that you might be able to sign. And I think in general, you know, this year and next year, this year in particular, because of all those bad contracts that got signed um, in that first sort of cap explosion year, um, you know, I think you're going to see good values in free agency. Um, but again, we'll have to watch and see um, how, how kind of things play out. So I think this is a good summer to have cap space. Um, it's a good summer probably to get better value than usual for a mid-level exception deal. Um, But again, you know, do you trust the Bucks to go out and spend nine million dollars on a mid-level guy and actually get like a really good player who's going to make a difference and be a good value? Mm. I mean, historically, those guys, not just for the Bucks, but just in general, tend not to be great value. i was just going to say
1: like you're it is like you could find value there, but you're also shopping in the most dangerous store in town right that's that's just a bad place to shop as we always talk about you want to shop at on the very top shelf and on the very bottom shelf like those are where you can find deals but that middle section is always just kind of kind of a dangerous spot so Okay, that's interesting. So so
0: and so basically like if if you want to like do the kind of reverse engineer it, I think we've said this before, right? Like Jabari can probably sign for up to if you if you say the the tax is going to be 123, which is probably the higher end of where it'll be um, you know, keeping your first round pick, assuming you just keep 14 guys rather than signing another guy to go to 15. Um, you know, if you had Zeller, if you included Zeller uh as your 14th guy in that $2 million slot, um you know, you can basically kind of work it backward. You're one thirty to get to one twenty three. You know, Jabari's sort of break even value for at what point he'd put you over the tax would be about 13 and change um, 13 million a year starting salary. Right. Which obviously is, I imagine, much lower than what Jabari is is actually going to sign for. Um, but just to give you guys an idea of kind of what you're up against. And um, obviously we talked the other night about scenarios for how you you know, if you do sign Jabari for 20 million or or maybe more. Um, you know, what are the scenarios where you could actually then work that tax, that, that, uh, cap number down in order to get yourself back under the tax and also acknowledging obviously that you could just pay the tax in 2018. Um, again, again, keep in mind that it, you know, financially it becomes more punitive if you pay the tax in consecutive years. And, you know, it basically becomes more of a financial burden and, um, you know, most teams don't want to pay that. And there's also some limitations in terms of, um, You know, being able to have a higher mid-level exception, um, sign and trades, Like they're basically just like a lot like other sort of peripheral types of things that you can do when you're under the tax that you can't do when you're over the tax. Um, So there are basically reasons, both financial and non-financial, just from a roster flexibility standpoint, um, why you want to stay under that tax. Certainly you wouldn't want to be like, you know, a million over the tax, right? Because you're, you know, you're not getting luxury tax uh, payments from the kitty basically so yeah. all the teams that, that pay the luxury tax, they pay all their their money into the kitty and then it gets broken out and shared by the teams that don't. So you much rather be getting paid rather than paying into that. And then on top of that you do have some more restrictions. So there's obvious reasons why you want to be outside of the tax. But um, but yeah so I mean it's definitely a you know a situation where especially by by virtue of going after Eric Bledsoe, um, you definitely have to be a lot more creative to to get back under that tax and obviously you know we talked about Toledovic being probably the the most obvious question mark in terms of you know how do you kind of get salary off this this cap sheet um because he's he's an expiring salary Bledsoe's an expiring salary Middleton is likely an expect an expiring salary he has a player option for the 1920 season but only at 13 million so again that's well below what you would expect his market value to be so you'd expect him to also opt out um after this coming summer so it's interesting because you know 2018 is definitely the summer of jabari 2019 is the summer of based on the current roster chris the summer of eric the summer of malcolm brogdon so um you know certainly there's an interesting kind of you know, set of dominoes that are going to start to fall here starting this summer with Jabari and some decisions that are definitely going to have to be made by the Bucks about, you know, what do they th- see this core actually looking like and who are they actually going to roll with moving forward?
1: Okay. So this summer I think is very interesting and it was made more interesting by Eric Bledsoe. Um Let's move into that next summer. Um, let's kind of lay out the exact same kind of ideas. What's going on in that summer? You already mentioned uh, you're going to have a free agent in Eric Bledsoe a free agent in Chris Middleton, a free agent in Malcolm Brogdon. You're going to have to make decisions on all three of those. Um, What will your cap look like? Um, And let's assume a world where Jabari Parker is signed for somewhere near his cap hold. Um, That's 20-ish, and let's just assume somewhere around 20 uh, per year. And what does that then look like in 2019?
0: Yeah, and this is where it gets complicated because, you know, again, Chris – and Bledsoe, uh, you know, if Chris opts out, Bledsoe becoming free agent, I mean, they have cap holds. So you'd have their bird rights. So you could go over the cap to re-sign both of those guys. I mean, you could also sign guys to extensions. Um, but the problem is there's limitations on the size. I think it's 120% of their current salaries um, is the max that they could get in extensions. So, you know, with given the Bucks don't have cap space. So I, I don't know if there's a likelihood of an extension. I mean, Bledsoe should not <laughs> Bledsoe should not get, you know, more than 120 percent of his next year's salary, um, given that that would be you 120 know, percent would be 18 million dollars starting salary. Like, you know, yeah, you don't want to uh, pay Eric Bledsoe 18 million as a starting salary going into his year 29 um, season. Uh, so that that's going to be a really interesting one to watch because. You know that's a situation where I think the Bucks need to engage, um, and unfortunately, Rich Paul probably is not going to be a guy looking for you know just to lock up a deal and get something done. <laughs> no, um, he's not. But you know you'd probably feel much better just keeping Bledsoe at or below his current number. Um, but you know, is he willing to lock something up in advance? I'm not so sure that that would be how they're going to approach that. So uh, that's a that's a very tricky one, and I think that's also plays into certainly the the reason why you know again I don't see Eric Bledsoe being traded, you know Thursday. Um, I imagine the Bucks are going to play the season out, see how he fits. And this summer, though, I think you have to be pretty open-minded about what you're what you really expect to do with Eric Bledsoe because he does set you up for a difficult decision in 2019 but I guess to get back to your to your question though so um, in 2019-20 Giannis will be making just short of 26 million um, if you say Jabari maybe he if he gets 20 million as a starting he's at maybe like 22 that year so he'd be at close to 50 million dollars um, just between those two guys Snell and Daly combined um, We'll be at about another 20 million together, and John Henson just shy of 10. So basically, you add another 30. So basically, you're at about 80 million dollars in, um, you know, guaranteed money to to those hypothetical five guys, and then you've got Thon and DJ Wilson and Sterling Brown, kind of, you know, on the periphery. And um, I think your I think your total cap numbers, it's shy of, um, it's you'd be shy of a hundred. Um, so, you'd be, you know, the cap that year is predicted to be about 108 million. Um, but in all likelihood, again, because Chris, if he's a free agent, has a cap hold that counts in order to maintain his bird rights, so has a cap hold to maintain uh, his bird rights, you're not really going to have functional cap space unless you get rid of those guys. And Malcolm Brogdon will have a very small cap hold, only a couple million bucks, um, if he's not given an extension before then. So, You know, again, you're you're you may be, you know, without those guys slightly under the cap. um, But in all practicality, you're going to be operating over the cap just because, you know, those guys are going to have bird rights. And I I mean, I would be very surprised if if at least one of those guys, I mean, I think between Brogdon, Bledsoe and Middleton, I have a feeling probably two of those guys come back um, and, you know, odds are. You know, between Brogdon, if you look at Brogdon and Milton as the most likely guys, you know, I would imagine those guys are probably getting combined upwards of $30 million together. So um, certainly will not be be cheap. And I think, uh, you know, interesting questions that it raises, right? Everybody loves Malcolm Brogdon when he's making $1.5 million a year. Um, but how does that change when he's making a lot more money than that? Um, I think that's that's really the challenge. Because I think if you, you know, if you put in a placeholder and say Chris is getting $20 million a year, and you say Malcolm gets $10 million a year, let's say, um, you know, all of a sudden your total, your total number, uh, even with Bledsoe, if Bledsoe's gone with Toledovich expiring, um, Tyler Zeller gone, you know, a lot of these kind of peripheral guys gone, you're still at 125 million in total cap. Um, and, and again, I think you're at like, I think that's like 12, 12 guys, including two draft picks there. So, so yeah, you, you've got work to do. Right. And, and this is also, kind of some of the backstory of, of why, you know, when you hear me kind of poo poo Deandre Jordan and your Marcus Gasol or some of these really high price centers, um, you know, it's just tough, you know, to, to think about keeping, you know, the core of your current roster and paying them and then throwing on top of that another $25 million guy. Um, you know, you're going to have to shed other, other salaries and, it's hard to shed other salaries when you're trying to add a guy who is, you know, presumably going to require, you know, not, you know, you're not going to. I don't know why LA gives you DeAndre Jordan and takes, you know, Delhi and and John Henson and Toledovich or you know something yeah. like that, right? It's, it's it, you you have to think they're going to want assets and they're not going to want bad salary and unfortunately you're going to have to get rid of bad salary probably in order to kind of make all this work and keep all these guys together and. I haven't even mentioned, you know, keeping Bledsoe in this scenario. So, um, so yeah, that, and this is, again, gets to that story as well of why I think, you know, this reckoning might be coming as far as having to bite the bullet and getting rid of some of these other guys. Um, it's because again, if you want to pay a ton of guys star money, then there isn't, there isn't the $10 million salaries for Delhi or Tony Snell or John Henson, right? You have to, you have to really, you know, get rid of those types of deals. And, um, obviously there's a lot of moving parts to all this, but, um, but this is, you know, these are the the realities that the Bucks have to be thinking about now. They can't be thinking about how, how does Eric Bledsoe fit into the Bucks future? They can't wait a, another year before they start to think about that because certainly his value as a trade asset is obviously going to be declining as, you know, every day that, that he's, his contract begins to run out.
1: All right. So that's summer of 2019. Uh, Like you said, three big decisions there, Um, and obviously already a Jabari decision in this summer. Um, 2020 would be the last summer uh, before Giannis could go um, if he is still a free agent. Um, One thing I want to check on, extension dates. When can you start signing Giannis to his next extension?
0: Uh, So Giannis would be eligible, you know, assuming he continues to make, you know, if I mean, at this point, there's you know you have to make uh, All NBA in order to be eligible for the designated veteran player extension. Obviously, there's at this point no real question that Giannis will continue to be voted All NBA or you know MVP or what whatever. Hopefully, awards come with that. Um, you know, really, it's just an injury question, and you know, there's also a two out of the last three year type component of this. So um, you know, seems like a pretty safe bet that Giannis will be um, a- eligible for this uh, larger uh designated veteran extension um and certainly based on my reading the rule is that he'd be eligible for that in the summer of 2020 so basically the year before uh he becomes a free agent um you know th- this is a thing whenever people talk about like oh well you know would he ever leave well if he's not willing to sign this monster extension in the summer of 2020 which based on just basically some like real rough estimates of where the cap will be um probably has a starting salary of around $41 million, I want to say, in, uh, in the 21-22 <laughs> season. So basically he'd play the 2021 season um, under his current deal, but if he signed this the Supermax you know, designated player extension in the summer of 2020, he'd have a starting salary of around $41 million uh, in 21-22, in and his deal through the 25-26 season would pay him around $240 million over those five years.
1: To be Not clear, bad. at this point, no one has turned down that veteran dpe like supermax right
0: no i mean this is the irony right like guys have actually it's been interesting because it seems like teams have been maybe in some cases scared to offer it like the sacramento kings demarcus cousins apparently was very open to signing this yep. but um they decided to trade him before you know even having a chance to give it to him um and so, yeah, I mean, John Wall signed it. Russell Westbrook signed it. Um, because, I don't know because
1: if- this was the thing with Paul George too, right? Like, because if he got that All NBA, like this turned right. into the super max rather than whatever max that he had. So, I think that's a, an important part of context as well. That no one has turned down that deal yet because the the amount you can you can get from it is just. I'm I'm not going to say comical because I think players should be paid even more than they are um uh, but it's just so extreme compared to what normal numbers look like that super max that veteran DPE is just such a large gob of money.
0: Yeah, and it's an extra year cuz basically there there's two components there's you know the the the, de- the designated player component of it means that you can get bumped into a higher salary bracket based you know even though you're not going to have 10 years of experience which is what you need to get the max, you know, 35 percent of the cap number that is like a, you know, the most you can get. Um, So Giannis would be eligible to get paid like he was basically had more experience than he does at that point, um, which another team can't do. And then on top of that, you know, most people are already familiar that, you know, uh, other teams can't sign free agents to five year deals. They can only do four year deals, max five percent raises. So there's also basically the three components to it. Higher percentage, basically a higher starting number higher raises and then an an extra year at the end, you know, that is again, I mean, he could obviously always just, I mean, I I don't think Giannis is worried about, you know, falling out of the league in the year 2026, but, um, but just knowing that you're going to have that locked up is obviously of some value. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think I want to say the biggest deal he could otherwise get is, you know, something like Uh, four years, 152 or something like that, if he became a free agent in 2021. So and again, like, you know, you can say, well, then he'd get another Max at the end of that. So it's really more like a 30 or 40 million dollar difference. But it's a ton of money, obviously. And, (laughs) you know, again, this is why um, this is why guys take these deals. Right. I mean, you know, like, um, you know, and and I I imagine, you know, with the likes of Steph and and Harden and, and all these guys, I mean, they're going to sign all these deals. And although obviously those guys are on teams that, um, you know, are better than the bucks are clearly. Um, but again, obviously the hope is in the job of the bucks front office is to make sure that the bucks are good enough that Giannis doesn't have reservations, you know, signing on the dotted line for something like this, uh, a few years from now. And again, I think based on what we know about Giannis, obviously you would hope that that would not be, uh, too big a risk, but, I think that, you know, the subtle thing is obviously, as we talk about, you know, these decisions, the bucks have to make around who they resign. Um, that is an obvious challenge, right? Like, you know, if, if you lose, you know, if, if you lose, uh, Bledsoe and don't have a, uh, you know, a, a quality point guard to replace him, if you, God forbid, were to lose either Middleton or Brogdon. And again, Brogdon's going to be a restricted free agent in 2019. So it's not like he can just go wherever he wants. Um, but if you lost, you know, multiple of those guys, I mean, you're 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 going to have to you're going to have to backfill those spots. And again, you're not going to have like, you know, 50 million in cap space or something like that to go out and do it necessarily. So, um, so yeah, so it's definitely a, a challenge because the Bucks obviously, you know, have some pieces they like. Um, but, you know, do they have the horses right now? I know they're going to probably going to say publicly that like they love who they've got and all that stuff. But, you know, do they really think that they have? Enough horses here to to really give Giannis a supporting cast. That's obviously uh, a much higher bar, and and certainly, you know, at this point, I guess probably not, unless Jabari Parker turns into something better than than I would expect.
1: Yeah, and I guess that I like I said, I wanted to lay all this out because I I feel like we talk about this, and then uh, we'll talk about stuff going forward for the future, the team that you're trying to build around Giannis. You'll read Zach Lowe's post from last week, and you'll think oh okay what what does this future look like? What are the bucks locking into? And, and I guess why I think it's especially interesting this this trade deadline is because when uh, I was gonna include Brogdon in this, but now that Brogdon's out, i, I can't imagine you could even trade him now if you wanted to. you'd have to wait to the off season. but Bledsoe, Malcolm, and Chris all have. Probably their peakish value right now. Um, a year and a half of them, as opposed to just one final year of them. Uh, Middleton's contract's very friendly, so I, I don't I don't know that he'd ever really totally lose value, but he's gonna have more value with a year and a half than a year. Um, same thing with Malcolm Brogdon, an insanely cheap deal um, right now for kind of his production, and then Bledsoe, who doesn't have the cheapest deal, but has a good deal and one that as you're going forward you're going to be thinking about I don't know if I want that second that next contract uh for Eric Bledsoe maybe you don't want that next one for Chris Middleton like he he took a clear uh a pretty clear pay cut here I shouldn't say a pay cut but it was a good deal the Bucks signed him for a good deal when they signed him um he didn't get to be a part of the cap boom he got signed before that and then has now been a good deal so all those guys have to get paid and I, I just think again I'm I would be shocked if the bucks would go out and pull a move where they decide on a different point guard. Um they decide that they want an asset for um this offseason and to kind of get off of some money and trade Eric Bledsoe for I don't even know what it'd be like Eric Bledsoe for Isaiah Thomas and the Nets pick or something like that to try to please uh to try to please LeBron here um as they're trying to restructure their team. Like I can't imagine the Bucks making a move like that, but I guess I'd want to ask you, Frank do you think that's a move that'd be prudent? Do you think that is something that they they should explore at this very moment, or is that something that they should explore this summer? Or I guess kind of how do you see all of that because I just keep thinking about, again, I don't know that I'm totally afraid of Giannis not signing that deal because, as I said, I think veteran dpes are just going to keep getting signed because the money is just too much and and i don't think you can turn it down especially if you get all those all nba selections that i think Giannis will get um but I, i do still wonder if you are trying to build that team and you are trying to get to a championship and you are trying to make sure that Giannis doesn't have any reservations about signing that deal are these things that you have to think about in the next uh that's less than Let's see. Sixteen hours up until the trade deadline. Like, are those things that you have to be thinking about right now?
0: I think, yeah, you have to be thinking about it. I think, um, you know, as you said, I think that it's the ticking clock thing on on Bledsoe's value. I think is really why you have to think about it. Um, and I don't think it's so much about you know, oh, you need to get a better player than Eric Bledsoe for the next year and two months. Um, I think it really is just that bigger picture view of. You know, you met, I, you know, as we discussed, you, you basically turned Greg Monroe's expiring contract plus that pick or the two picks um, into Bledsoe, which, you know, I think on paper should be should be a, a benefit to this team in terms of, you know, needs and, and just fit and things like that. Because, you know, again, I just don't think as much as I like Brogdon, I don't think he's like a, you know, long term perfect fit any either um, at, at point guard. Um so the, I think the question is, well, you know, what do you think about Bledsoe when he expires? Do you, you know, are, are there solutions where you could potentially get, you know, value that's more long-term um, from a team? Yeah, like the Cavs or whoever, you know, and, and the Cavs are probably the best example, right? I mean, how many other teams would there be interested in Eric Bledsoe right now? I don't know, right? I'm, yeah. I'm not, I don't I don't necessarily know. Um, you know, there are, always, there are a lot of random teams that have random interests in doing deals that, maybe aren't you know like super (laughs) long-term oriented and certainly if for a team that would be interested in blood so obviously you would think that they would be a team that would be you know more going for it now than than kind of looking to to kind of really think longer term given he's squarely in his prime and um obviously you know you're not you're not trading for him because you think um, you know you want a project that you're going to develop for the next five years so yeah I think you have to be thinking about potentially you know what deals are out there for Bledsoe um, but you know the challenge is well what you know who who would be the upgrade on Eric Bledsoe right that, that would be sort of the first question um, and it's like well Kemba Walker sure Kemba Walker would be an upgrade but what's it going to take to get Kemba Walker right I mean you weren't going to get Kemba for a protected first round pick and Greg Monroe obviously so you know now as you sit here Maybe there's some scenario where you can turn Eric Bledsoe uh, into Kemba Walker if you include other pieces and take back bad salary along with Kemba Walker. I think that would be an obvious one that you'd want to think about and maybe, you know, figure out if Charlotte would have any interest in doing a deal like that. Um, but again, like, is there some home run obvious deal there? Probably not, you know, um, yep. and and obviously, you know, I think Kemba's a better fit for Bledsoe than the Bucks, but, um, you know what do you have to give up to to do that right and um and that's an obvious question that that certainly might be a scenario where you you maybe say I'd give up blood so and I'd give up brogdon if I think that Kemba is my you know point guard for the next 5 years and I mean they're basically the same age Kemba's I think like 5 months younger than Blood so so it's not like Kemba is 24 and going to be you know riding next to Giannis and in their primes for the rest of you know the next the decade or something like that but um but it's hard otherwise right I mean it's hard to otherwise say like yeah. well, who's a who's a point guard who's available, who is like a perfect fit for Giannis um, that is going to be there through his prime. I mean, you know, again, there, there are other guys who, who, you know, you could maybe say like, oh, that guy, that guy's pretty good. I like that guy. But, you know, again, is there is there like a home run obvious guy that is going to be available for, for good value? That's obviously um, a much tougher tougher decision. But I think you at least have to be thinking about these things um, because in general, you know, I think one of the big questions for the Bucs Right now, I mean, it's, they're interesting because they have Giannis, and then they have sort of these three guys in in Jabari, Bledsoe, and Middleton in in some order. I mean, Middleton, I would say, is certainly the best player right now. Jabari has the highest ceiling. Um, but they're three guys who are like, you know, kind of like in scenarios, you could see them being like fringy all-star candidates. Obviously, Chris may still even have a chance at the, at, at being named like the, you know, the fifth injury replacement here yep. to the all-star game, which probably isn't likely, but, but at least possible. Um, but you know, do you, can you take two of those guys and turn them into a top 20 player? Right. Because, you know, maybe, maybe Middleton's a top 40 guy. Um, but is there a way to get into a real legit superstar running mate for Giannis? And I, you know, again, I'm not sure exactly who that would be. Um, it seems like every half, half the guys that might fit into that category or, you know, tearing ACLs or Achilles if you like boogie or whatever it might be. Um, but I think that's, that's definitely sort of, I think a general question that I think if you're the bucks, you should be asking yourself, right? It's not just how do I get, you know, as many, you know, how do I keep sort of the, the the bunch of fringe all-stars I have, um, because fringe all-stars tend to be one tend to want to be paid like superstars. Um, (laughs) and so are you not better off obviously getting a real superstar, even if you have to pay them a max, um, you know, is that a, is that better value? You know, can you construct a more rational sort of sustainable roster around something like that? And then, you know, you, then you have to go find your next Brogdon or your next Middleton or whoever. Um, and that's obviously a challenge for the front office. But, uh, but I think that's a, that, that's sort of a d- general question for me, you know, is there a deal where you package up a couple of these guys and, and get, get somebody who is a clear, you know, superstar running mate for Giannis. And I mean, this is the challenge, right? It's just, it's just hard to find those guys. And, you know, Blake Griffin wasn't that guy, you know, obviously you know, the guys who become available tend not to be the guys that you, you'd actually want to have.
1: Yeah. That that's to me, what I, is the big thing is that you are always looking for that other piece, but like that piece is rarely available. Um, yeah. And and again, Bledsoe isn't perfect, but that's a situation where someone becomes disgruntled you can get them for for below market value and that's what what the bucks did there like i I think what they did was find someone that's probably worth more than greg monroe's expiring contract and a first and a second like I, i think he is probably worth more than that but at the same time he's not he's not Giannis' running mate. Like, he's not that guy. So he's just another one of along with Chris and along with Jabari and along, uh, I guess even to a lesser extent, along with Malcolm Brogdon. Like, none of those guys are that next guy, but they are on the fringes of things. And you mentioned fringe all-stars like to get paid like – superstars well sometimes French all-stars like to get paid like perennial all-stars and even that's too much like they shouldn't get that much money so uh, i think it all becomes really difficult and uh, i think you're right in saying that these are these are questions that at all times the bucks have to be considering and thinking about and trying to figure out a way to get better because the the question posed by zach in that article and uh, i mean it's a question that we've been talking about since this summer, since I mean, what we recorded that podcast about trading Middleton for CJ McCollum or whoever else it was, like, yeah, that was that was our th- thought process there, like finding whoever that number two that running mate for Giannis would be. Like that has always been the goal, and I think when you see this, you can keep trying to get your quarters to equal a dollar. But you'd rather just have two dollars and then some change along with it. Like that's what you have to find. And I think it. I don't want. I think it's relatively clear that the Bucks just don't have those guys right now. Like Bledsoe, Middleton, and Parker are all nice, all nice to have around. But I don't know that they are enough. So uh, I think that's what makes this really interesting. Is that there may not be an obvious trade at this trade deadline. But the looming i like the, the idea of a trade should always be looming over this organization. Like it, it should always be how are we finding what's next? How are we finding enough to get us to that next level? And how are we finding that perfect number two to go along with Giannis? So I think that's that makes this trade deadline interesting to me, and I think that makes the next three months interesting to me i think that makes the offseason interesting to me like this bucks team remains interesting to me because they have so many of these unanswered questions and we just went through the next two summers those summers are rife with questions that need to be asked again like jabari parker that's a question that you have to ask this summer next summer you have to ask about those other three like those are just going to keep coming up until you figure out exactly how you're you're going to win a championship um so uh, it I don't know, just, I think all that stuff is important and stuff that we should always kind of be thinking about, um, as we get to and hey, And, and I would just add too. I mean, the hard part,
0: the, the challenge with a guy like Giannis being so good at such a young age is, you know, like you mentioned this, this idea, right? I mean, the it's it, Cleveland's in a unique position because they obviously have on the one hand a, a clear incentive to try to win now in a way that. Typically, a team that's projected to have a high first round pick, you know, isn't incentivized. Yep. You know, normally these teams with very high first round picks are teams that, you know, are trying to take it slow and they don't want to go trade for, you know, really established pieces. They'd rather just sort of take it slow. Um, Cleveland potentially, you know, and again, it, my guess is they don't trade the the Brooklyn pick. But um, but, you know, again, they could be sitting on a pick that is, you know sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, I mean some, somewhere in that mid lottery range where, you know, again, you could find a real difference maker. There's no guarantee of it. Um, but one of the challenges I think if you're the Bucks now is um you know, do you have the guts to give up assets that are proven sort of, you know, commodities that help your team and help Giannis win games now yep. and progress and maybe, you know, make you know, build on what they did last year, but actually win a playoff series for the first time in, you know, 17 years or whatever the number is now for, for the bucks. Um, you know, do you have the guts to trade, uh, kind of clear valued assets now that help you win now for something that, you know, maybe a draft pick that is going to be three years until it helps you. Right. I mean, at this point, if you, you know, if, if you do that, it might be, you know, three years. But you know, if you traded Chris Middleton for, you know, the Brooklyn pick, let's say, very, very hypothetically, um, that could be a very. I mean, I, I think there there's strong arguments for why that would be a, you know, a rational thing if you take the very long view of Giannis's career and you say, well, I want to build a championship team with Giannis, and you know, that's not this year, that's not next year. Um, and Chris Middleton, who knows, right? Who knows how he ages? Who knows, you know, with his next contract, he's an unrestricted free agent, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but You know, that guy might not actually be any good until Giannis is having is after Giannis decides whether he's going to take his supermax extension or not. Right. So this is this kind of the rub is that, you know, Giannis and again, I don't think Giannis is is more like this than probably the average superstar. I think he's probably more patient, probably, you know, less uh, has less of a, you know tendency to want to go you know jump ship for you know wherever um than than the typical guy in his position but um but it's it's a difficult you know it's a difficult kind of needle to thread and you know again like in an ideal world you find some you know other 22 23 year old guy who you can have maybe higher certainty that he's going to be a star um but again those guys are also valued very highly right you don't just generally pluck you know teams don't just give up you know, guys who are 22 years old and on track for stardom, like if, if they do, they're going to expect a huge payday. And, um, oftentimes obviously there's a lot of risk in, in doing something like that. And to or be that honest, young that's going to
1: have serious question marks like, right. Uh, Jabari Parker. Oh, yeah,
0: <laughs> exactly. And then that's why I think, you know, as much as, as scare as, as much as the idea of paying Jabari a huge amount of money scares you know, scares me, as a Bucks fan who, you know, is thinking about all these numbers and how you make the cap stuff work. Um, you know, certainly relative to trying to go free up cap space or something, you know, trying to go find other ways to go spend money and, and find another potential star. Um, you know, just keeping Jabari Parker and just hoping he figures it out. Um, you know, again, maybe he's not an ideal positional fit with, with Giannis, but, um, but that's a pretty obvious one. Cause he's, sitting right under your nose and you know you don't have to trade assets to get them you do have to pay them um but you know again these are these are all these different trade offs the bucks have to make and uh again you know it's one thing when you're kind of at the start of a rebuild you know you can you can take swings and you can miss and you know i mean look look at the sixers right i mean the sixers basically got nothing for the a number 6 overall pick in Erlens Noel right he was fine for a couple of years they traded him for very little um they got nothing for a Julio who who's a number three overall pick. Um, that was a complete whiff. So far, they've got nothing from a number one overall pick in Markel Fultz. Yep. And yet, you know, because they hit on Embiid, because it seems they've obviously hit on Simmons, they still have an extremely bright future and they've managed their assets well and they're gonna have this Laker pick and, you know, so they have these more swings that they can take. Um, but you know, it, you then sort of reach that tipping point, right? Where it's like, okay, well how do we build a championship team? Like it's one thing to build like a, a fun team, a cool team with some nice pieces. Oh, they're going to be up and coming. But then when you think of like, okay, well, we have to win a championship now. Yep. Oh, okay. Well only one team can do that. And your margin of error, especially when you're like the bucks and you have a lot of inflexibility around, you know, your, your cap stuff and you don't have extra picks laying around. And, in fact, you have, you know, a deficit in terms of picks. Um, your margin of error just shrinks, right? Um, You know, you you need to hit on that Malcolm Brogdon pick. You need to hit on that Sterling Brown pick, especially because you whiffed on Rashad Vaughn. And it looks like, you know, Thon Maker is not going to be a star. Maybe you know, you just hope he's going to be a you know a good solid role playing guy, maybe a starter. Um, But yeah, it's it's just every everything. When once once you really start being put under that microscope of of the championship bar, you know, every move just becomes that much more important.
1: Yeah, and all of this just kind of comes back to. Trying to figure out what your goals as a franchise are and trying to figure out what's important to you as a franchise, as an organization, what you aspire to and what you want to get done. And also at the same time, what you're comfortable putting Giannis through. Like we kind of seen the same thing in New Orleans where they're trying to figure out how do you please Anthony Davis and keep him around and keep him happy while also trying to build towards the future. And I think maybe they even leaned in further to maximizing yeah. on the now than the Bucks did. Um, and the Bucks have certainly done that to an extent, but maybe not that same extent, but that is kind of always the crux of the issue is trying to figure out how do you keep someone entertained, happy and developing and, presenting new challenges to that player and and not insurmountable challenges like as Giannis grows it would be nice if he doesn't have to carry a crappy team that's super young and trying to figure out how good they are to the playoffs like it is nice for him to have veterans that can help out in those roles and maybe even if they aren't great fits say like an Eric Bledsoe like There are nights where they can kind of take the load and you don't need a Herculean effort out of Giannis every night, but there are a number of nights where he can do it. So, I don't know, it's it's just fascinating to kind of think about all this stuff and kind of how it's all intertwined and um, hopefully in this conversation we kind of got at some of those issues so that you can attempt to think about those more broadly because I do think they they are kind of the issues that define this Bucks team going forward and I know throughout the offseason I'm sure we're going to have a number of these conversations as you and I kind of figure out and talk about trades and I'm sure there'll be rumors and we'll do all those things but I just thought going into this trade deadline that is something that I kind of wanted to have people thinking about and start kind of discussing whether or not any of that will happen i would lean that none of it happens tomorrow and that by the time we record our podcast uh tomorrow night we won't have any action to talk about we will maybe talk about other things that happen around the league if the Cavs blew up or whatever (laughs) may happen on trade deadline day um and then we'll preview the heat and we'll be on towards the set the let's see i'm i didn't I don't mean to say second half, but the final 30 games of the season. Um, We will talk about all of that. So um, anything else you wanted to get in here? Are you feeling good, Frank? Uh, I'm
0: feeling fine. As of uh, 11 p.m. on Thursday, or sorry, Wednesday, uh, all is quiet on the Twitter front. Uh, There has been no massive trade. So uh, I guess all of our talk of, you know, not expecting much. So far, we're not wrong. (laughs) But uh, by the time you listen to this, Who
1: knows? Yeah, who knows? All right. Um, That's going to be it for us. That was Frank. I'm Eric. This has been Locked on Bucks. We'll talk to you tomorrow.